You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. All right. This morning, we're continuing our series we started last week called Uphill Habits, Uphill Habits. And if you don't have a handout um, that you got from one of our greeters, raise your hand so that the ushers can uh, drop one in your hand. A couple of folks don't have them. It's okay. The fill in the blanks will be up on the screen. And uh, this is just to help you as we go along, take home. You can think about these things, process them. Um, Look at the scripture. The scripture references are on there as well. We're going to be going through quite a bit of scripture today. Just as we just look at these principles. What I love about this series is that, again, it has deep spiritual truth in it, filled with practical information. And this is important because we need to understand how we apply the spiritual truths that God shows us in the Word. And so this is um, really going to be a great, great series. If you missed last week, you can listen to it on podcast. Go online and, and check that out. It's Aristotle who said this. We are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. Now this really kind of stands in the face of some of our understanding of who we are because we perceive ourselves from a different perspective until we take the time to stop and think about the habits that guide our life because in my mind's eye I think I'm something in my mind's eye I think that there's parts of my life that I've got completely together until I sit down or I have a conversation with my wife or somebody who's close to me And say, hey, maybe you've created a habit that says something different. And it's a simple truth is that we are what we repeatedly do. Or I could say it like this. We form habits and then habits form us. We form habits and then habits form us. And so this is why we're talking about uphill habits. It's because for most of us, when we take the time to, to stop and think about the things that guide our life in the way of habits, there is some adjustments that need to be made according to the Word of God that we can line ourselves back up with the truth and the principles that God has called us to. Why? Because inside of those truths and principles come the calling of God in our life. I've been here. I know many of you have been here. I've talked to a tremendous amount of people who've fallen into this category of saying, look, I know what I'm called to. I feel like I know what I'm called to. And maybe that thing that you're called to, um, you discovered through something like a gift test. Or, or maybe you just kind of heard God speak it or you just knew it all your life. Or maybe it even came through a prophetic word. However it came, you kind of know it. But there's a difference between knowing something and actually doing something. And often, the difference between knowing and doing comes in the form of our habits, the decisions we make every day. That's why we started this series off, and we're going to say it a few times through this series, and this is in your notes. Most people have uphill hopes and downhill habits. Uphill hopes and downhill habits. And so in order to do the things that God's called us to do, we've got to begin to line our habits up with the up, uphill or the hope of the calling that Jesus has called us to. Here's why. Here's why we fall sometimes into this place of having uphill hopes but downhill habits. It's because hope is a great motivator. 
Hope is an excellent motivator. As a matter of fact, you can look in Scripture and see many times where God delivers His hope. And that's a starting block for our calling. But even though hope is a great motivator, it's not the right strategy. It's not a good strategy. You have to have a strategy to walk in the hope that God has called you to, or the hope of the calling that God has called you to. And these are the principles that we find in the Word of God. And so even though hope may be in our heart, we need to attach the principles of God's Word as a strategy for us to accomplish the calling that God has called us to. There's two reasons why we are phrasing this as uphill habits. Uphill habits. And the two reasons are this. is The first is understandable, really easy and understandable, is that it's because it's toward God. That we're making a decision to line our habits up with the principles of what God says. So they're toward God. They may look a lot different than where you are now. As we speak today and as we talk through this, you may say, look, some of this, this area and the habit we're going to talk about today doesn't line up with the truth of what God's saying. And so I need to look toward God. He is my resource. He is my strength. He is my grace. They're toward God. That's why they're uphill. But the second reason why they're uphill is because they're not easy. They're not easy. All right, now let me say this because I feel like I just let the air out of your tires. Even though the changing a habit is not easy, it's possible. It is possible through the strength of the Holy Spirit. Even though changing a habit takes work, it is possible. And if we choose to line ourselves up with the truth of what God's saying, He will give us the strength to do it. Now let's look at a scripture in Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the message translation. Now we're going to go back and forth to this passage. We read a little bit about it last week. And we're going to dip in and out of it this, this Sunday as well. But I want to read this to you and I want you to pay attention to a couple of things. And I love the way that the message translation says this. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work and you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted in your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to the level of its immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And here's what I want you just to see as we read this passage for the first time today, is that the way that we begin to develop our uphill habits starts when we fix our attention on God. So anything you hear today that says, God, I need, I need to change this habit. I need to rearrange this habit in my life. Your first step is to fix your attention on God. Look to him as your source. Why? Because it's God's desire to bring out the best in you. This is what he wants to do for you. Now, this stands in the face of some of the misconceptions of who God is. Sometimes we think that God beats us up for bad habits. No, instead he responds in his grace and says, let me begin to transform you into my image 
so that the best in you can come out, so that well-formed maturity can be found in you. All of us know that maybe we need to grow up in some areas, but it's not until we fix our attention on God and allow His thoughts, His best, to be formed in us that maturity and growth comes out through us. We, did, we recently did our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, and even though we did this for spiritual reasons, there's a very practical reason why 21 days. Some of you understand this and have heard this before, but it takes 21 days to form a habit or to break a bad habit. 21 days to form a new habit or to break a bad habit. And I want you to think about this because as we begin to look at the scripture and we talk about this next habit today, and you say, maybe I'm not there yet, I want you to frame it within the context of time to say that it's going to take some time for the principles of God to be formed in me. So don't beat yourself up because you might struggle a little bit at the start, but understand that you are wired in such a way that it's going to take some time for a new habit to be created in you. But if you would make the decision to consecrate those, that time to God, he will do it. What I starve dies, but what I feed thrives. Think about it like that. When it comes to forming an uphill habit, that what, you're gonna, what you starve in your life in the way of a bad habit will die. No matter what that is, whether t- today we're talking about our thoughts, but if it's in the way of the area of our thoughts, or like last week we talked about putting God first, giving Him, making Him first, whatever it is in any area of your life, understand that what you starve will die, but what you feed will thrive. And that's a double-edged sword. When it comes to forming a habit, if you are taking something that needs to die in your life in the way of a bad habit, you need to understand that you have to starve it with the help of the Lord. But you need to replace it with something in your life that needs to thrive. Hope, life, abundance, future, calling, these things. And you have to feed those things in order for them to grow. We talked about last week, the first habit is what we do first, what I do first. But habit to the habit we're going to talk about today, habit number two, is this. Control my thoughts. Control my thoughts. Okay, in my life, and I want you to think back about to the time that Jesus transformed your life. But I was talking to the youth on Wednesday, and I told them this story of when I grew up in the church and and. And I felt like I was born on a pew. I mean, I don't ever remember a day that I wasn't in church, in one church my entire life. And it wasn't until I became a teenager, till I was in middle school, that I really believed that I had an encounter with Jesus that transformed me. And I remember uh, coming to a place where, even though I'd always gone to Sunday school, I'd always gone to church, that I really realized that Jesus loved me. I remember having a personal encounter with him in my bunk bed where I felt like he wrapped his arms around me and he, he grabbed me and he pulled me in and I was really his son and he was really my father and it, it transformed my life. And so when I read the word, it jumped out to me as I would read the Bible. And I remember as a, a seventh grader, I'd read in Proverbs just over and over again and every word just jumped off the page to me and stuck to my heart. It stuck to my heart. And here's what happened was this, is that in order for my life to change, in order for my understanding of God to change, my thoughts about Him had to change. 
And here's the truth of why we're talking about controlling our thoughts and building this habit in our life is because I will never change my life until I change the way I think. You may want to change your life, but if you think the wrong way about it, you'll never change until you change the way you think. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 10.2 in the message. It's very simple, and it cuts right to the heart. It says this. I love this. You can't say it any simpler or clearer. Wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. Boom, there you go. Why? Because even though you want to change, until you change the way you think, the way you think, you will not change. And this is why we have to talk about the habit of controlling our thoughts. A couple of, a couple of things about this, and this is in your notes. Everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. If you try to change your behavior without changing your thoughts, you'll never change. This is why you have to pay attention to the first things you think about. When anything comes up, when anything or situation comes up in your life, now don't raise your hand, but think about this. How many mental battles have you fought this week or even today? How many things have you, have you processed into your, your heart or to your mind? Maybe you bumped into somebody and they didn't approach you the way you wanted to be approached. They said something or did something in such a way and it left a mark on you. But the real conversation and the real challenge hits you in, your, in the area of your thoughts. And here's why is because that's the, that's the playground that, that things begin to work and develop in, in our life. And so when we don't control the first things that we think about, oftentimes they get and they begin to spiral out of control in our life. So everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. And so we have to begin to give God the first in the area of our thought. Some of you would agree with this statement. I wake up grumpy every day. I wake up grumpy every day. But sometimes I let them sleep in. All right, forget it, forget it. Let's look, let's look back at Romans 12, 2 again in the New Living Translation. And it says this, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. Everything begins with a thought by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Everything begins with a thought. That's why we're talking about controlling our thoughts, the habit of controlling our thoughts. The second thing that I want you to see in your handout is this. We need to determine what, I'm sorry, what we think determines how we feel. What we think determines how we feel. It's not the things that affect us, that transform us in our life. It's what we think about the things that affect us, that transform us. Now let me go back to the testimony that I shared with you this morning about Daisy. Because I understand this, and some of you have been in this situation where you understand this as well. Is that you get a report. Or in some cases, you have a conversation with somebody. Or something happens to you. But it is not that thing that affects you. It's what you dwell on about that thing that affects you. Do you see that? Because you meditate on it, it bursts fear, 
It births anger. It births frustration. It births rejection. It births hurt. All these things. And we have to realize this is that we can begin to master and control the area of our emotions and our, the direction of the hope in our life when we begin to understand that what we think determines how we feel. Because if we can begin to allow the Holy Spirit to interact at that moment when we hear something or something happens to us and begin to control the way we think, line it up with his principles, then those things that maybe are not attached to the pattern of heaven but are attached to the pattern of this world don't take root. Do you see that? And so we have to understand the way that a thought works. So if this is true, we need to do as much as we can possibly to think on the right things. Now I want to give you guys a bit of a test. Is that if you find yourself worse for the wear when you are on social media, whether it's because envy strikes you, frustration of an opinion that is shared on Facebook or whatever social media platform you are on hits you, or whether it comes through the news. Oh my goodness, man, the news can just drive you down. I want you to take this test, and for some of you, this is going to be a true sacrifice, is get off of media for a week. Whoa, wait a minute. What are you saying? Get off of media for a week. If, if you want to test and see if this is true, is what we think determining how we feel, then unplug from the negative sources that could potentially be affecting the way you think that causes you to feel a certain way, and see and see if it makes a difference. Let me give you a little bit of scriptural background for this principle, this, this test, if you'll allow me to. In Philippians 4, 8 and 9, this is what it says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. If you are not focusing on the right things, I can almost promise you that you are going to be low on the peace meter. If you find yourself in a place of anxiety or restlessness, then pay attention to what you are listening to. If we would just do this simple thing, maybe to see if God's word is true for one week, or if you can't do it for a week, do it for a few days and replace it with good things. Replace it with worship music. Replace it with conversations with people who are encouraging or edifying. And if you don't have those people in your life, just look in the mirror and talk to yourself, okay? Whatever it takes. And then begin to think on these things. Replace it with the word of God. Here's why. It's because when we do these things, something is being sown. And this is the next thing that I want you to see. Is that our thoughts determine our destiny. Our thoughts determine our destiny. This is a really great way of thinking about this truth. Is that you sow a thought and you reap an action. You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action and you reap a habit. You sow a habit and you reap a lifestyle. You sow a lifestyle, and you reap a destiny. You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you, reach a, you reap a lifestyle. 
You sow a lifestyle, you reap your destiny. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So let, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. I want you to see something here. Is that, and I want you to pay attention to what this scripture says. Because this is not dealing with the areas of what sometimes we think are the right things and wrong things to do. Oftentimes when we think about letting the Spirit control our life, we think about things like going to church or reading our Bible. Now these are things that can ultimately affect our thought life. But here the Scripture says this, is that we've got to get into the context of understanding that the Spirit wants to control our mind. The Holy Spirit wants to begin to guide our thoughts. And the way He does this is by tuning us into the things of His Spirit. That's why we have to begin to practice and pay attention to what we are allowing to control our thoughts. We have to pay attention to how we respond to things that we think are affecting us, not knowing that it's what we think about those things that are controlling us and affecting us, and begin to listen to what is true, what is good, what is pure from the Holy Spirit so that He can lead us in the area of our thought lives. Why? Because the outcome doesn't sound very good. When we choose not to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide our thought life, it's going to lead to death of some kind in our life. We're going to get closed off in our relationships. We're going to get bitter. We're going to get cold. We're going to not be able to hear the things that God is saying to us in the way of hope. Now, if you stop and you think about this, we've probably all been there. I know that I have. There are times that my thought life is so messed up that I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to be around anybody. I want to be closed off. I'm the grumpy who doesn't want to be woke up in the morning. I'm not in a good place at all. And here's what begins to change my life is that when I begin to tune back in and allow the Holy Spirit to control my thoughts because our thoughts matter. This is why we're talking about this habit. Now let's talk really quickly about five things that we can do to practice good thinking. Five things that we can do to practice good thinking. Now I want you, it's probably in your notes, but if it's not, write it down. And you can read this on your own time in 2 Corinthians 10. 3 through 5. Read this scripture. Meditate on this scripture. This is the pattern that God uses to begin to pull down the areas of our life that may be stubborn, bad habits in the way of our thinking. Number one. Number one. You have to find a plan to control your thoughts. Find a plan to control my thoughts. What does this mean? In every area of our life, we have to have a plan to allow God to control our lives. Let's have a little bit of real talk really quick, okay? Is that in our life, there's a lot of things that vie for our attention. Now, men, let me talk to you. Even women, let me talk to you. Because this is the nature of the, the world that we live in. Is that if you don't have a, a plan to control your thought life on the internet, you might fall into a trap. If you don't have a plan to, to find some kind of accountability on what you're viewing on the internet, you might fall into a trap. 
This can deal with the area of pornography. This can deal with the area of just things that you shouldn't be looking at, things in that area. But oftentimes when we don't have a plan to control that area of our thought life, what happens is that the enemy will try to sneak in and take control of that. And that can lead to spiritual death in some area of our life. So we need to have accountability in every area of our thought life. We need to begin to ask God how we put that in place. For some of us, that may say this, that there's times that you mark during your day that you turn things off, that you decompress, that you turn the TV off, you put down your phone. Ooh. All right, everybody close your eyes right now. I just want you to close your eyes. Seriously, just close your eyes. Now, on the count of three, after I say this, I want you to raise your hand if this is a struggle. How many of you never let your phone leave your close proximity? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right, good. There's a few of you truth tellers out there. The rest of you are liars. All right, open your eyes back up. But you might need to just put down the phone. You might need to ask somebody to help you to set it up if you and your family, with your spouse, with your kids, just say, listen, these are times that we are free, that we are allowing something else to control our thought life. Another way to have a control in your life for your thoughts is to read the Bible. Read the Bible. I know this sounds painfully simple, but but listen to what the Scripture says here in just a second. Because when we begin to get in the Word, you will watch how quickly God takes uh, wrong thinking and turns it around. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And here's the key to reading your Bible is don't just read your Bible. Let the Bible read you. Let the Bible read you. Anytime that I've gotten into a pattern of reading the Bible, my thoughts begin to change. My attitude toward God begins to change. My sensitivity to hearing Him begins to get strengthened. I begin to cut out wrong thinking. It begins to change the way I talk. And here's what God promises in the Scripture that we just read, is that as we come to the Word, the Word comes inside of us and it begins to divide the things that maybe we shouldn't be thinking about and cut those away and begins to bring us into the life and the truth of His Word. And if we're talking about anything that will begin to bring control over our thoughts, the Word of God will. Now, I'm going to just offer this up as a suggestion. Now, on your phone, you can download version of the Bible. And on that app, if you just go into your app, if you are... Um, if you're a reprobate and you have an iPhone, I'm sure iPhone has that, but if you are godly and you have an Android-based platform phone, then uh, you just go into your Google Play Store and it's there. You version, right? It's godlier. And um, so laugh a little bit with me here, folks, okay? But go get that, that app. It's on your phone. It's what you have with you all the time. I have it on my phone. And then there's plans on that phone. And you can do something as simple as a one-year Bible, And if you do the one-year Bible, it will remind you, and you can read it. And don't get tripped out if you miss a day or if you miss a couple of days. Mine mine has a reminder on there. You've missed 40 days. You know, like you go, ah, you know, wait wait a minute. Don't Don't get upset. Just pick up where you left off or just start where you are. It doesn't matter. Why? Because God isn't so interested that you follow the plan as much as you get the word in you. Because when you let the Bible read you, it can transform your thoughts. Do you see that? And if you just put a little bit in your life every day, 
every day, not from the place of obligation or some kind of weird spiritual condemnation, but if you would just say, God, I really want control in the area of my thought life, and I'm inviting your word to begin to speak to me, it will. Number two, find a place to think your thoughts. Find a place to think your thoughts. This is very simple, yet very practical here. A lot of truth. The world's volume needs to be turned down. You have to have a daily conversation with God. You have to have a daily conversation with God. And all it is is this. If you know how to talk to somebody, you know how to talk to God. If you know how to just have a conversation with the person, your spouse, your child, a coworker, a friend, whatever it is, you know how to talk to God. Isaiah 26.3 says this. And the New Living Translation says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. See, this is, this is what God desires is that we begin to set aside a time, a place for us to think our thoughts, direct them toward Him. Again, dipping into last week's message, this is the important of firsts. And I, I gave this encouragement to you last week, the first 15 of your day. And I don't know how many of you tried that. I know that I did. I did that last week where I got up and the first thing I did, I endeavored to give the first 15 of my day. And it started off like this, is that I, I read my Bible for five minutes. And it was about two chapters, three chapters sometimes, depending how big they were. And again, you know what I used to do? It was my phone. I opened up version. And I just started in Psalms. I just read the Psalms. And then I popped on the song that I've been singing all week long, the song we sang during communion. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. And I just began to let the Holy Spirit just sweep over me in a sweet moment. And from that place, I had my conversation for five minutes with God. And I always started off and said, God, you are worthy of it all. And I want to keep you at the center. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness in my life. Thank you that you allow me to come to you and call you Father. Thank you that you love me as a son, even though sometimes I fail. Sometimes I make mistakes. But God, bring me and renew me in the truth of your grace. God, these are the things that I'm struggling with today that I don't understand. Would you help me? through who you are to understand these things. And I would just listen for a few moments and let God speak to me. And not one time was I let down, but here's all I was doing is I was finding a place to think my thoughts. Instead of waking up with anxiety, instead of waking up and trying to process and figure out all of the weights and the concerns of the day, apart from God, I gave him the first of my life. I kept my eyes fixed on him. I gave him the first of my thoughts. I had a conversation with him. And if you really think about it, listen, if you are somebody who's absent of peace, you need to understand this truth. And it's this, is that if you are missing peace, then you cannot afford not to have a time set aside where you are giving your thoughts to God and having a conversation with him. If you are in a place where your life is too busy, then you cannot afford to not have a time where you give it to God and give him a part of your day. Why? Because if you continue the way you're going, you will burn out. You will fade out. Your heart will get cold. But if you say, God, I'm going to have a place to 
Think my thoughts with you. Then life will come. Number three, find a person to stretch my thoughts. Find a person or people to stretch my thoughts. You won't reach your full potential until you involve people. We won't reach our full potential until we involve people. As a matter of fact, in James 5, it says this. One of the ways that we grow in freedom, in the area of freedom in our life, is by confessing our sins one to another. Oh, that's scary. That's, it involves deep relationship. But there's a reason why God did that, is He joined us together. He put us together. For the reason of being able to stretch our thought life, is that there are things that I know in my life until I put them in front of my wife or in front of people that I know love me, that God has put me in relationship with, some of you guys are out here, some of them are pastors in this area, that my thoughts won't get stretched, that I won't get out of my own head or begin to see the way God wants me to see. And it's a scriptural truth. This is why we value small groups in this church. This is why I get up and do this. This is not, this is not a ministry in our church. And I need you to please hear this, and I'm going to get a little emphatic and passionate here for just a second because it's what God's Word says is that small groups isn't our midweek service. It's not just a thing we do because we have to do something Wednesday and then something Sunday. Small groups is God's design to stretch you and grow you in the power of a relationship that He constructed. He constructed this because He knew that as He called us into His body and He knit us all together, that there were things in your life that I needed in my life the gift of encouragement in you may be exactly what I need for the moment where I'm lagging behind, where my thoughts aren't exactly headed to where God wants them to be. The level of accountability will only be safe within the body of Christ where we have all been influenced by the grace of Jesus. We knew that there was a day not too long ago that we were sinners and none of us deserved the love that Jesus gave. But when we were redeemed, we came into that grace Hey, who has best accountability other than the church? Somebody who says, I didn't deserve it, but God gave it to me. And when you're in your moment where you don't deserve it, the same grace is available for you. See, this is why God designed the body. Do you see that? Do you see this? And so in order for our thought life and to build the habit of having God-controlled thoughts, we have to have people around us that stretch our thoughts. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Number four, Justin, come on up, man. Find a purpose to land your thoughts. Find a purpose to land your thoughts. The healthiest thoughts you can have are why you are on this planet. The healthiest thoughts you can have, the healthiest thought that will come out of your life is why you are on this planet. God designed you for a purpose. He puts you on this planet for this time, no matter what you might think or how you might feel about your current situation, with a purpose. And the way that our thoughts begin to become uphill habits is when we have a purpose to land our thoughts on. If you could hear God speak to you right now, He would say two things. Let's settle yesterday. Let's settle yesterday. 
I want to forgive you. I want to remove the pain of yesterday, the sin of yesterday. I sent my son. He went to the cross for you. So your yesterday never has to be something that you struggle with again. Let's settle your yesterday. And then he would say, let's head toward your future. Let's head toward your future. This is what we've been talking about in the passage in Romans 12 too. And it says this, that all this, all this whole idea of understanding how to can create God-driven thoughts is for the purpose of knowing what God's will is. The simple truth about this is that God leads us out of our calling. He leads us out of our calling. It's a whole nother sermon. But if you don't believe me, read Ephesians 4. It's the only passage in the entirety of the New Testament that couples these two thoughts. The redemptive work of the cross and your calling. Is that God lines these two truths up and says this, that Jesus, when he went to the cross, the scripture says this in Ephesians 4, is that he who, de- he who ascended is also he who descended. And that as he rose again, he, he led captivities captive. Meaning that he took you and he took me, and he brought us into the captivity of his love. And then it goes on, it says this, the very next line, and he gave gifts to men. And he gave gifts to men. This is the nature of who God is and how he leads us, and I want you to please hear this, is that God combines the redemptive value of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, couples it with the understanding that the reason why Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty of your yesterday, he covered the debt of your sin, is so that he could call you into a tomorrow. And so Jesus doesn't stand back and say, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. You're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And here's why you need to understand this, because it would be as if Jesus was looking at the cross and saying it wasn't enough. But Jesus never debated that truth. Only we do. But Jesus understood that he fully settled the wrath of God, the sin of man toward God at the cross. He dealt with it once and for all, and it's never been a subject matter for him since. But what he did was this is that in the resurrection, he took us captive under the redemptive flow of his calling, and he gave gifts to you and you and me and every one of us so that we could know that it is in the hope of his calling, the purpose in our life, that he leads us. And until your thoughts are lined up with the purpose of God, your thoughts are not going to be in the place that they're going to bring life and truth to you. Number five. Find a power to fuel my thoughts. God is always going to call you into something bigger than what you can do. And you need to thank God for that. Because here's what that means. Is that he wants to do it with you. And so we have to begin to open up our thoughts to the power of the Holy Spirit. And say, listen, in these areas where I need to transform my thoughts, whether it's about somebody or something that I'm walking through, or my future, the calling that God's given me, you need to settle it. No longer should the calling about your future say, I don't know. It should never be filled with the words, I don't know, or I'm not sure. It shouldn't. Instead, it should say, Holy Spirit, Jesus, you called me. You gifted me with a purpose. Holy Spirit, you show me. You show me. You show me. I'll hear, 
and I'll let you direct my thoughts to your purpose. Your thoughts about somebody who's offended you should never be filled with, I don't know if I can forgive them. Because can I be blunt and can I be, be real with you guys for just a second? When we get into that place, we're subtracting grace out of our life. Oh, hey, changing, changing our thoughts, it's not easy. Recreating a habit is not in our thought life. is isn't easy, but it's possible. But it's only possible with the Holy Spirit. Instead, our conversation should be this. Even though that person hurt me, even though that person offended me, Jesus, at one time, I offended you. And you loved me. And you gave grace to me. And even though that person hurt me, I'm going to choose to step into the place of forgiveness and grace. No longer am I going to be fearful in my life. Why? Not because of what I see or what, is, what I hear, but because those things aren't going to affect me because I know your thoughts. And God, it doesn't matter what's in front of me that I don't understand. Here's what I know to be true because of what the Holy Spirit says from your heart, Father. Is that you do love me and every day of my life is numbered for your purpose. And your joy and your peace will never leave me no matter what I walk through. And just like David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear the evil that surrounds me. And it brought him to the place where he sat down and he enjoyed a meal. I don't know about you, but I think my stomach would be pretty upset if there was a banquet table and all my enemies and the enemies of my soul and the enemies of my thoughts were gathered around. But yet David said something that's powerful and transformational. It wasn't in his own strength. It wasn't in his own power. It was through the power of the Holy Spirit that he did that. And his eyes were fixed on him. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. If you need a tithe envelope, you don't see one in your seat back in front of you, just lift your hand quickly. And I want you to hold on to that tithe envelope as you prepare it. Because some of you this morning, your thought life is directed in the area of your future and your finances. And you say, God, this isn't a mess, this is troubled. But I'm going to begin to trust you in this area of the tithe. I'm going to begin to say, God, I trust you in this area. And I'm going to, I'm going to offer this up joyfully and willingly to you because I know that I can trust you. And I want to tell you something, that you guys are a grace-filled people and you are a generous people and you are an obedient people. With every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning if you're here and you say. I don't know if Jesus Christ. Is the Lord of my life. If I've ever invited that love and that grace into my life. Or maybe I did. At one point in my life. But I've lost sight of that. This morning I want to pray for you. And just where you sit, right where you are, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you that you came and that you settled my yesterday. I receive what you did at the cross for me. 
Jesus, I receive your grace and I receive your love. And maybe this morning you've lost sight of that and you say, I need to be reconnected into that grace, into that love. This morning, you pray this prayer with me. Jesus, begin to direct my thoughts and anchor my thoughts into the revelation of your love for me. Renew that love in my heart. I want to reconnect with you. Now, Father, for every person here, God, that's saying that in the area of my thought life, myself included, Holy Spirit, help us to redeem the habit of our thoughts and direct them under your purpose and under your direction and under your life. I pray in Jesus' name. This morning, if you prayed either of those prayers for me, on your envelope, doesn't matter if you give or not, just take an envelope and mark I made a decision for Jesus or I recommitted my life. The third thing I want you to do is this. If there's something in your life that you say I need prayer for, I need somebody to pray with me and pray over me and to pray alongside of me, I want you to mark that on your envelope. Why? Because when we begin to step out into this place of saying, God, I'm going to let you begin to direct my thoughts. I'm going to begin to let you guide me through your grace. God begins to move. Amen. If I can have the ushers come forward. And receive that now. This morning, God desires to set us on a place. Go ahead and pass the plates, guys. God desires to set us in a place where we begin to allow our confession to line up with the truth of what He says. And so this week, I want to challenge you with something. Is I want to challenge you when you get up in the morning to make the confession that God, your love is for me today. That today I'm going to walk in your love and know your love in a greater way. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for me. Make that confession every day. This week, make that confession the very first thing that you get out. And if you can't remember that, say it and express it however you want. But let the first words of your mouth as you wake up in the morning be an offering and an admission that your life is being directed by the love of God. My life is being controlled by your love, God. My future is being controlled by your thoughts. I hear your thoughts. I know that you are bringing out the best in me, and I agree with those things in my life. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Let me bless you. Thank you all. We're going to pray two prayers. It's two short ones. Father, I thank you for your grace and your goodness being over every person today, God. Thank you for controlling our thought life and redirecting it under the truth of who you are, your hope and your calling. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Second prayer. You guys ready? Father, today is Super Bowl Sunday. Shh, this, is a sol- this is a solemn prayer, guys. Seriously, take this seriously, please. And we're asking that you would bring down the Patriots today and you would grant the Eagles great victory, Father. Father, you said something like this in the scripture, I believe. I might be taking a little liberty that you cause us to rise up on wings of eagles. All right. So uh, I'm pretty sure the word Patriots not in the Bible. So, all right. Lord, let today be a good day. Let us enjoy today. And thank you for letting the Eagles win. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. We'll see you Wednesday. Have a great, great week.